welcome to the Polygon Show, the most wonderful hour of people talking about video games that you'll hear today, hopefully. I won't do that voice again, and that'll make it better. I'm Simone de Rochefort, and I'm joined today by Allegra Frank. Hello. Chelsea Stark. Hello. Who's about to open a water bottle and commit audio crimes. I'm just, I'm going to do it down on the ground. Okay. And Ashley O. Hello. Yeah. Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking about a few games, including one that I'm extremely excited for, which is Gree from uh, Devolver Digital, as well as the Red Strings, Strings Club, She Dreams Elsewhere, and not Smash, because we're not going to talk about Smash till next week. But rest assured, Chelsea is thinking about it constantly. Literally just, just finished writing that review. Just finished it. Which it'll, it'll be on the website by the time. By the time you hear this episode, yeah. you'll hear Chelsea's. It's a, like a preview. Reading her review is like a preview of next week's episode of the Polygon Show. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and we'll also be reading some of the emails that we received about SpongeBob from our listeners. Uh, but f- before we start our show, here is a message from our sponsor, Dell. Today's segment is sponsored by the Dell XPS 13 laptop with an 8th gen Intel Core i7 processor. Experience Dell Cinema's incredible color, sound, and streaming on the Dell XPS 13. It's the laptop for people who watch things on their laptop. Learn more at dell.com slash XPS 13. Sponsored by Dell and Intel. All right, Ashley, I'm going to target you ruthlessly because I I really wanted to on on the Monday that I was rushing to play every short indie game for Game of the Year voting. You'll remember I was like, "Gree, it's out on Switch. I'm going to try playing it." And everyone was like, "No, it's not out on Switch yet. It is only on Mac. Is is on Mac and PC?" I it is, but I don't think it's out yet, though. It's not even out yet, so I couldn't have played it anyway! Yes. Yeah, and I only started playing it at, like after I submitted my ballots, so it's Aww. too late for all of us. Which is sad, because um, I feel like that would have been in my... Bleh, bleh. It would have made your list. Top three, definitely. What? Whoa. Yeah, it's really good, you guys. I was playing it today, and I, there was a moment where... It. I mean, I'm. This game is actually longer than I thought, but there was a moment where it was so beautiful. Everything, everything, like the the sound, everything was so beautiful that I actually like teared up. Uh, and I, it's like I don't think games make me ever tear up because of how beautiful something is. Sell me on this game and what it is, because I honestly, I'm still not sure. I just know I really want to play it. Is it is it pronounced Gris or is it Gris? You know, Allegra, do you know? Do you know? So it's a Spanish studio. Oh. Um, so it should be Gris, I think. Like it's the well, word for. Gris. Like Ambergris? Ambergris? That's like a thing. Oh. For, it, it was in a Bob's Burgers episode. <laughs> I only really think gross. about Yeah, I only think about it. Well, I'm it's glad really I gross, don't know actually. What that is. Ambergris is disgusting, but apparently very valuable. I'm trying to remember when I met the developers because I previewed it a couple months back. I'm pretty sure they said like Gris or Grease. Well, yeah, it'd be Grease if it's Spanish. Yeah, The John Travolta well, movie. Yeah, My French ass <laughs> has been shown the door. No! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> French ass. Your slamming sound um, effect. Yes, beautiful striped French ass. It's striped. 
with a beret. Yes. Um, like a mime. So the, oh, and a, is that an ascot? No. It's like the little handkerchief thing that they. A cravat? Fuck yeah. I got in a very a long conversation with James Barham. Our About a cravat? A cravat versus an ascot. Oh, wow. This I really, is a conversation I, for another time, I think. Because <laughs> I actually don't know. All ascots are cravats, but not all cravats are ascots. Ah, that classic this is, conundrum. Hey. This is not SAT prep That's class. That's actually what they teach you at Oxford in your final year. Hmm. Anyway, so Ashley, about the game Grease. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know if you've seen artwork of it. There's a lot of really beautiful watercolor um, and a lot of really nice, like, ink drawing and animation. Um, and the gameplay is very much, um, it kind of reminds me of, like, a mix between Journey and Monu- Monument Valley. Um, and it has this... Uh, one of my favorite things in video games, which I like never tire of, this is like the video game trope that I never get tired of, is like the the abandoned, like ancient ruins of like a civilization, but you don't really know anything about it. Um, and it's really less about the civilization. It's clearly um, the uh, studio has said that it's like a personal journey um, that the main character is going on. And, you know, there are heavy elements of sadness in it which I can very like easily relate to and I think the way they convey some of them are so beautiful like in that you know in the beginning of the game you're going through uh, a desert and there are like there are times where like you know there'll be like a wind and you get like a power to kind of turn into a block to like resist the wind and kind of go back as you keep walking but it's sort of like the way they kind of usher in the, like these like deep red winds that kind of roll across your screen so beautiful and like mm-hmm. very kind of like reminiscent of you know sort of like the waves of sadness you feel in depression a lot of the time mm-hmm. and how um I don't know I think like none of it is specifically um I guess like there's no dialogue so and there's no text do you know who who you are as the protagonist? I mean, you know, like clearly you you see her, but you don't know anything about her. Oh. Um, and you know, throughout most of the game, you still don't. I mean, it's like it seems like a very deeply um, kind of symbolic journey that you sort of go through in like dreams or psyche. Like there are really beautiful elements of like. Um, color that they focus on so different stages of the game revolve around a specific color and like um, so there would be like blue where there's like water but it's not like a shitty water level like we (laughs) always love to talk about Um, and you know like green for the forest and like yellow kind of conveying light and they sort of harmonize together as you go through the game and you do develop you know like different um, kind of like Abilities like maybe double jump things, but a lot of them are largely just like going through the environment and solving different puzzles to just keep advancing. So it's a side scroller um, and there are some tricky platforming things, but, you know, there are really nice kind of like themes of uh, like starlight, um, old you know, statues and architecture and, like, nature and harmony. And there's, you know, there are moments of tension for sure. But, like, you know, there was one moment that actually made me scream because I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) But, like, you know, I think they do 
a really great job as you go on as you know they'll illustrate sort of like this inky black thing that changes shape like from a a really scary bird that you have to like get past that's like screeching at you right <laughs> and then you know or it'll be an eel or it'll turn into like a scary version of her and try to swallow you up and so i think this game like there, there are so many parts of it that were so surprising that like they played a lot with like optical illusions um and like kind of defying gravity in some cases it's so nice i can see why you compare it to both monument valley and journey because i guess superficially the screaming birds (laughs) (laughs) and then also i mean journey had moments like you were talking about earlier where just like you you rise up and you see a new vista and the music swells and it's just so beautiful and poignant at the same yeah. time that you're like it's almost not even an it's a purely physical reaction to just like tear up yeah my my friend jeremy told me uh he played journey for the first time actually a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and he was telling me that it, you know at the end of journey where like you know that point where you rise up and there are all these like kind of other creatures yes that come with exactly you exactly what i was thinking and so about. yeah he he thought for a second that, you know, it was like maybe a monster or an enemy. And he said when he realized that it was like friendly and helping him out, he just went, yeah. <laughs> and then I think he said he like cried because he was like yeah. so happy. And I was like, this game inspires the same kind of feelings where like I also like thought that I was going to die or something horrible was going to happen at some point. And then this like magnificent creature came to save me and like the music swelled up also and I too was like oh my god it's you it was fantastic and like this is such an emotional game for something that has no UI no words nothing just like really great ambient and like piano and some strings and it's just all around like a very very wonderful therapeutic game it's very much like journey but uh, you know I don't want to say too much about you know compare it too much like that it is its own Mm -hmm. game so it is different Mm -hmm. Um, and like the style is the artistic style is like absolutely gorgeous and I really wish there you know would be more games like that like I thought of um, that upcoming game Sable that I'm really excited for Uh, like just games that have to deal deal with like I guess non-traditional types of animation and artwork. Oh, I am so excited for that. Yes, it's like very... The one that looks like a graphic flat novel. shaded. Uh, yeah. That, like that no is, shading, rather. I mean, especially when we were talking about Oberden last week, which is all... What, mm-hmm. is, it, is it pointillism? Is it like... Yeah. Like, these are these are not... Either, either their games are like that game realistic or retro and I like I like that we're seeing these styles that don't feel video gamey and yeah. feel very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I immediately thought of I was like I would recommend this game to like my friends who don't play games and in just that it's like a wonderful experience and just I think like the way they animate like you know when you um have like a watercolor brush or like an ink thing and then you kind of drop it onto like a white page and you sort of see it like kind Mm. of bleed out. Yeah. And like that's how some of the colors like roll in and out and it's just amazing to to look at. Allegra, I'm curious about your opinions on Greece. (laughs) Greece. Because you also played the demo a while ago, right? Yeah, I think it was like the first hour or so of the full game, and then they kind of just were like, stop playing. Stop. Why did um, they say stop playing? <laughs> it was like months ago. Um, 
So, yeah, Ashley, I think a lot of what you're sort of getting at, especially like this is a game that you can recommend to non-game players, is what struck me about it, too. Like, there isn't anything that's very much traditionally like video gamey. Like, yeah, there isn't dialogue or a UI. Um, but it does also still feel very much like a game, like not to, you know, make it seem like it's this broadly accessible thing, which you're mm. not at all. Mm -hmm. But it is very much like a platformer. Like, yeah, there yeah. were definitely elements where I was like, <laughs> I got hung up on because there are like tricky yeah. platforming elements sometimes and it can be frustrating. Yeah. As long as it's not like Hollow Knight. <laughs> Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> I was surprised. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Uh, yeah, I was actually just thinking about Hollow Knight and and... I don't think, I mean, I don't think that there's just like, I I wish games like that were more accessible. <laughs> I wish I could be like, yeah, this this game is beautiful and but also I mean, part accessible. of the appeal to you is also that it's it's as challenging as it is. And like, no. it's fun to fight your way through that. Mm -hmm. Just how everyone feels about Celeste. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was surprised, Ashley, when I was playing it, that like, it mm -hmm. is this sort of really beautiful game that I would push on to like people who just really like art or you know animation mm -hmm. but I also was getting really frustrated at some parts like there was that battle it's not really a battle I guess but that part with the really big bird yeah and you have to use her ability uh-huh like there are those very like video game parts within this overarchingly like broadly appealing package where I was like fuck you bird I don't know how to <laughs> stop stop blowing me away and that was frustrating but I think it actually lends itself to making it a better game instead of just this sort of like very mm. beautiful experience like it has this extremely like I am working toward an end goal and I will feel very good about having reached it versus like I will inevitably make it to the end and mm -hmm. I will just remember this being beautiful like this seems like the kind of thing where it's like it is very beautiful and I'm glad I experienced it but also yes I beat this thing that isn't <laughs> yeah. just I mean I think even to to advance and get to the more you know difficult stages and I mean, there there were definitely parts where, like, as I was moving through it, like, I would audibly gasp because I, I wasn't expecting something. Like, I don't really want to say what it was, but, like, it something happened on screen, and I was like, oh, <gasps> this is amazing. But, yeah, at the same time, like, this game is pretty straightforward about what you need to accomplish to, you know, move on to the next goal, right? So if you have this specific area and there's, like, a main kind of, I don't even know what to call it. It looks like an altar or a shrine. And, you know, there are like little dots in there to, to signify like almost like stars or like balls of light that you need to fill in, you know, to activate to go to the next place. So you do know what you have to do. But sometimes, yeah, like you said, Allegra, I mean, it was frustrating because this almost isn't a game you necessarily use a walkthrough for, you know? And and there are points where I was, like, stuck, and I was like, I actually thought maybe because I'm just dumb, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I can advance. Like, I, I don't think that I can do it. And then um, I think the game is difficult and challenging, but enough so that, like, you know, all I had to do was sort of sit down and take a breath or take a break, right? And be like, look, mm, like this yeah. game is very clear about what you need to do. The environments are pretty, I mean, they're not always straightforward. I think they get very expansive after a time. So you're kind of, 
you don't remember where you're going, you can be walking around for a while. <laughs> um, but it's still nice. But like you said, Allegra, I think the sense of accomplishment also is amplified, I guess, by kind of like the sound and the music and the visuals, like once you actually do complete it. So you do feel like more of a reward. Um, but yeah, there, there are some jumping elements. Mm-hmm. You got a time and we all know that I get frustrated <laughs> with that stuff. Cause like, you know, the more you like miss a jump, the more you're like, okay, this time. And then you fall <laughs> off before you ever I know jump. what I need to do. You're like, Fuck. I know what to do. I can I- do it. Fuck! That's what happened this morning. Oh, no. But it's not a lot of that, though. Yeah. You're making me very excited for it to come out on Switch, which eventually it will this month. And then I will play it because I'm on a spending spree, apparently. Yeah, I highly recommend if you do play it to use a good pair of headphones or, I don't know, even like I I think like handheld sure would be Mm -hmm. great. But seeing it on a big screen, I think, would be a really nice treat. A nice treat. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll enjoy that. Allegra, what in the world is She Dreams Elsewhere? Um, so this game, actually, as of the time you're listening to this show, you should be able to play the demo. Um, it just came out today, uh, the day we were recording. So it's um, this upcoming, the creator calls it like a JRPG, but they're not Japanese, so, but in the style, <laughs> so how dare they, uh, but in the style of an Earthbound or um, very much like Undertale. And it's this very pixelated sort of 8-bit mm. looking game where you play as a girl named Talia, I think that's how you would pronounce it. It's T-H-A-L-I-A. Um I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce that in a French Talia? way to make a joke, but no. It is Talia, Talia in French. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that just straight up Talia in French? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, so you're Talia, and she wakes up in her bed. <laughs> well, Sorry, I was making fine. French noises. Um, Talia? It sounded, no, <laughs> you did a, a uh, after oh. it. It sounded like a, ca- a mooing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mais c'est ça le français. Oh. C'est du oh. Tout le temps. Oh putain. I would listen to okay. an hour of this. Uh, <laughs> French noises oh, by Simone. It's a concept album. <laughs> tu me fais chier toi. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> and if anyone speaks French, I did not mean that. That was a joke. <laughs> Did you just insult all of us? Should I be offended? Was that rude? It was a bit rude. Excellent. Oh Actually, it's it's great. Um, so the literal translation is "you make me shit," and it's how the it's you're annoying. It's like you're so man. Any, I love French phrases. It's great. They love poop. <laughs> Allegra. <laughs> Well, that's all I have to contribute today, so we'll carry on. So Talia wakes up in her bed in the JRPG-style game she dreams elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just sort of like, what is going on? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything especially strange. Like, she's had sort of a bad dream where she's fighting against some mysterious figure that is similar to herself, Mm. you are led to presume. But then she wakes up, and it's just like... My dog's here. Oh, shoot. I slept so late. I got to go to a party now. And then you kind of just 
go to this party and it seems fairly mundane, but with really like snappy, funny writing and strong voice like mm-hmm. Earthbound and Undertale. So it seems sort of like a fairly low key, um, like black and white, just like jokey RPG again. Kind of sounds Persona-esque from that description of, yeah. I dreamed I was fighting a horrible <laughs> monster, but now I'm going to go about <laughs> my regular teen life and nothing <laughs> weird will happen. I mean, yeah, I suppose it's sort of like that story-wise in the beginning, but then um, you hit a point in the conversation at this party where Talia <laughs> starts having like an extreme panic attack, and that's when things start to change a little bit. Like Ooh. it very specifically starts to touch on like social anxiety and depression and that sort of thing and you get a better sense of like what is going on underneath for this person like this is probably why they were sleeping so late and maybe this is why they're having these bizarro dreams but after that like any (laughs) attempts I'm making to interpret what's going on are just like futile because it just goes back into this weird dreamscape where you're starting to fight monsters and do mazes and again yeah trying to find your lost dog it's sort of inscrutable but in this really like engaging way where I really have no idea what's going on or rather why like how I got from point A to point Z right now where I'm like Mm -hmm. destroying enemies called no heart and no romance and no sleep what and like still looking for my dog how long was the demo that you played so I think I'm still playing the demo the developers sent it to me themselves and I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure they sent me the demo because the game's not out until next year and I feel like I've been playing it for hours. <laughs> but on their website, it says it's a one-hour demo. So I want, maybe it, maybe you, maybe you're out of new content, but like you can still play. Well, I'm definitely progressing in oh, the story. Maybe it was a typo huh. and said, "Here's our 11-hour demo." It's yes. very long, like because <laughs> I started playing it this morning. I started playing it last night, but then I had to restart it. And I like that was hours ago and I'm mm-hmm. still playing <laughs> it. So I'm not really sure, but it's supposed to be at least an hour. Um, and it feels very much like I'm getting to a crucial point in the story. But at the same time, there's a trailer for this game that suggests the whole thing is about a woman, Talia, in a coma. And I'm not really understanding where that comes in. So basically, this whole thing there- is like a weird psychological. <laughs> oh drama that has maybe it's like a lost situation where it was all a dream yeah I have a feeling it's building to that (laughs) but it's a psychological drama that has begat a psychological drama within me um, (laughs) where I'm like what the heck is going on but it's extremely fun to play it's really beautiful to look at it really like satiates that undertale Mm -hmm. desire Mm -hmm. like it's very, very similar, but not in a repetitive way. Just like, oh, yes, this reminds me of Undertale and that it is like a very mm-hmm. defined aesthetic, very strong voice and like familiar battle system with some changes. Like there's it's very like elemental based where you're trying to get characters weaknesses it, in that sense it's actually very persona. Um, so it is like this really cool mashup of a lot of things I love, which is sad, depressed girl <laughs> and JRPG. Sad girl goes on an adventure. Yeah. So yeah, that's been a really cool little little thing that showed up in my yeah. inbox this week. And yeah, it's out on Steam for Mac and PC now. The demo for free. Oh, the demo. Okay. Um, the eleven hour sh- demo. Yes, very <laughs> long demo. Please play it. I was telling Ashley like. 
repeatedly today. It really reminds me of Ashley, which is like yeah. a very good thing, I think. Like the yeah. main character mm-hmm. reminds me a lot Sadness of and bad dreams. Yes. Sadness, I do have a lot of weird dreams. Yeah. yeah, it's like this sad girl who's very funny and very snarky and like her dreams are like, she's just going very seamlessly between reality and dreams. Oh. And they're both very bizarre. Oh, that sounds a lot like what I have. In a dream, I address to somebody, I talk to someone about my recurring dreams. Oh, God. About a specific topic and how that was like a recurring thing. But that was in the dream. What? It's always like nested in with each other. It's so stressful. It's <laughs> so bad. What if you have to, you have a dream where you have to rescue Crunchwrap, <coughs> who is in a maze? <sighs> I want to probably just die. I'm sorry. What? Sorry, Crunchwrap. No. Oh. Um, is, is the the fighting in all of that the sequences? You said that are dreams only. Do you does that constitute like? Do you think like? 50-ish percent of the game or is it like a small part of the game? It's a lot. Oh, okay. Like you start off with a fight and then it breaks into this more mundane like going to a party, drinking and talking to people who tell me I like am a shitty friend or whatever. (laughs) And then pretty quickly after that it shifts back into like, my dog ran away. Oh no, oh, I have no. to fight all these people now. Oh no, I'm in a maze and there's all these monsters here now. <gasps> I feel like so, our audience should yeah. go download the demo, check it out, and then write to us if you can figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's extremely That's so obscure. sad. Oh God, now you said Crunchwrap in a maze. Now I'm so sad. Chelsea, why yeah. did you say that? Because Ashley will definitely track down Crunchwrap. The other day. Because I believe in her. I had a dream that I was at an airport and I was like, I, they're like, ma'am, you can't bring that cat on board. And I was like, but please, I need to bring him. And they were like, well, you can't, you need like a carrier. And I didn't <laughs> have a carrier. So I was going around to all the airport stores trying to look for a receptacle to put him in. And I was like, oh, I can't leave without my cat. I just can't. I've had many dreams where I'm like, for some reason, carrying Vegas loose in my person. Like we're going somewhere. And I'm like, this is in the cast just with me, following me, kind of just like around. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, but also like very stressful because you're like the cat. I got to carry her. She won't move on her own. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, that's a very relatable dream. Are you guys ready for a message from our sponsors? Yes! Yes! Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Coming up next, to help inspire your holiday gift giving, we have a very special advertiser message from Lego. Check it out. This is the story of how a single childhood gift sparked a lifetime of creativity. It began with those tiny, colorful bricks that we're all familiar with. Once I started building with Lego, it really clicked with my brain. It really is this versatile medium of creation. That's Grant Davis and Jason Alleman. They work together on this year's winning concept for Lego Ideas, a platform for fans to showcase builds and possibly have them manufactured by the company. They created a workable pop-up book that tells the stories of Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood, complete with a 3D grandmother's cottage and a telescoping beanstalk. I can't remember a time when I didn't want to make a Lego pop-up book. When he posted one of his prototypes, as soon as I watched that video, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Like a lot of us, Grant and Jason got Lego sets as kids, and those early gifts continue to influence them to this day. So the first ever set I got as a gift was this little temple in the jungle, and there was a, a mean lion. The first Technic forklift. It just blew my young mind that you could make these things that, like, gears that mesh together and a steering system that worked out 
out of these like little plastic pieces. For the record, Grant builds and photographs intricate jungle-themed Lego worlds, and Jason creates kinetic Lego sculptures. They trace that back to those first childhood sets. And now, the pop-up book set that they collaborated on will inspire the next generation of Lego builders. When I think about the fact that some kid might get my set for Christmas, it makes me think that you know, I'm going to be influencing the next generation, providing them with the, the imagination and the initiative to start making their own things, their own stories. With Lego, every gift has a story. Start your story today at your local Lego store. Thank you for that message from our sponsor, Lego. To learn more, go to lego.build slash polygon. That is lego.build slash polygon. Or simply tap the link in the show notes to get started. Pushing boundaries and empowering women along the way. The On Her Turf podcast highlights amazing women and even their male allies who are champions on and off the field and who motivate everyday people to be the best versions of themselves. Join host Katherine Tappan as she speaks with a new powerhouse guest each week, from WNBA star Candace Parker to the owner of the Buffalo Bills, Kim Pagula, and learn what drives them and how you can apply lessons they've learned to your everyday life. Listen to the On Her Turf podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, so before we talk about Allegra beating Metal Gear Solid 3, which I'm very excited about, we're going to have a, 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 an appetizer <gasps> about the Red Strings Club, which I played as – or I haven't finished it yet. I started playing it as part of my – again <laughs> – <laughs> Game of the year binge. Just binging on all the, all the indies. <laughs> it's <laughs> it happens every year. But I on I feel like I am I'm changing a habit in a good way. And this is semi-related to the Red Strings Club. But because I, I have not logged into my Twitter in a very long time, um and I have I've I've barely been on my alt Twitter either because I was sick. So I've been so off Twitter. I have nothing to do on my phone except read books, mm -hmm. and I can't write because I was sick, and now I'm just tired. So I feel like I've been playing more games, and I feel like being off Twitter will be uh, a segue for me to do like more short gaming sessions instead of what I did previously, which was live my life and then play an unhealthy amount of Zelda or Assassin's Creed Odyssey or whatever until I hurt myself and then stop playing games for a long time because I had hurt myself and be on Twitter forever. Anyway, so I, I feel like I have made a breakthrough in that cycle and then maybe I can play games in a healthy, in healthy short stints <laughs> casually. I'm just at, really impressed about not logging into Twitter and I wanted to make that my goal. Yeah, I, I want to say that's so wonderful, Simone. That must be so liberating. It has been I feel nice. like you look so fresh-faced. Have and you seen my zit? Glowing. No, your skin looks amazing. It's, Thank you. It's the glow of someone who's been off of Twitter. Beautiful. And like my like, look at that compared to my sad, decrepit, yellowing, flaking skin. No, no. Twitter has poisoned, except for my Crunchwrap cat account, which everyone should follow at CrunchwrapKitty on Twitter.com. Thank you. Goodbye. And Instagram too. Oh yeah. I follow him on Instagram. He's a good boy. Well, please tell us about Red Strings Club, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't talk about my cat anymore. <laughs> 
stay tuned for our special cat podcast after this. No, okay, so I started playing Red Strings Club. It is, again, an indie game. It's on Mac, Linux, Lin- Linux. Oh, my God. Why did I pronounce the UX that weirdly? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> Linux. Yeah, I en- enunciated it really Lin- weirdly. Maybe that's the French pronunciation. <laughs> Linux. Linux. <laughs> uh, and PC. It's on PC. Anyway, and I wish it were on Switch because it would be perfect for it. It is a cyberpunk game in kind of a 16-bit style where you play as a bartender who is also an information broker and your boyfriend is kind of tangentially involved in this resistance group that is trying to get dirt on the mega corporations that are you know kind of ruling this cyberpunk world and doing shady things in general as a bartender you mix drinks to basically appeal to your customer's specific emotions. So in the drink mixing sequence, you have a customer there and you can see like, okay, there's a circle in their head that indicates pride. There's a circle in their heart that indicates like regret or something. And the four bottles of liquor that you have will move your circle in a certain direction, like up, down, left, right. So you're trying to make it match entirely a circle, the the customer's circle, to appeal to their specific emotion, which means there's a lot of flinging liquor (laughs) back and forth because if you're using a trackpad to try to pour a bottle of vodka, (laughs) it doesn't go very well. Why is that so funny? I know, like... (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Also, I feel like the drinks are technically very bad. (laughs) How are you? <laughs> Ashley's doing the motion. Enacting Fling. my life. <laughs> Fling. Vodka. Oh, yeah, because you, you, you yeah, grab vodka. the bottle and then you're dragging, like, this with your mouth. sliding button, with my fingers vodka yeah, across the to table. To tilt the bottle and trying to get it in the stupid glass. There are no mixers, though. It's just, like, tequila, vodka, bourbon, and absinthe. So I feel like the Ew. cocktails are technically very bad, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, and then you kind of you get information from customers. Um, and have conversations with them. It is very, it is very enjoyable so far. Like it, it is asking interesting questions about basically free will. <laughs> that classic cyberpunk theme. Because you find out very early in the game, the big mega evil mega corporation um, is has basically this uh, the ability to update people's cybernetic implants to take away all of their sadness and unhappiness and anxiety. And so the first big moral question posed is, well, if they do that, people will be happy, but they won't be able to question whether or not that's a good thing and is our sadness part of a, a part of our character that matters <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a lot I got deeply unsettled like the heebie-jeebies just now i sorry that's like ugh. that's so weird because i feel like as a society that is what we're striving for though mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. there's so much more emphasis on mental health and i feel like everyone is i mean that's the thing is everyone's striving to be happy mm-hmm. there is no it's like a platonic ideal there pluto Fuck it. No, uh, that's right. <laughs> you're totally right. Plutonium uh, idea. Yeah, plutonium, the the element. Um, yeah, that that is though. If you think about it, like what we do want is this like also a be careful what you wish for scenario. Is this like a 
or is it like a wary of the government doing this Mm -hmm. or? Yeah, I mean, that's the question it asks, right? Because essentially when people get their cybernetic implants, which might be for anything, like one of the one of the examples is an implant that makes you very popular on social media. In the terms of service for that implant, it says, oh, the company could update it at any time. Is people sign terms of services without reading them all the time. But does that mean the company still has the right to use your existing implant and update it to take away your negative emotions? I guess to what? (laughs) I think the more disturbing question for me is like to what end? Yeah, exactly. Is it just purely, as you said, to take away suffering and just have everybody be happy? Or is there a specific motive behind why you want to make everyone that way it's so Mm -hmm. weird because i don't know i cannot help but think of like but that is what we want would we not accept that opportunity if it were given to us Hmm. yeah also sad people probably buy more things so why would you want (laughs) to what what a massive overgeneralization no that was me that was me just like really reaching No, no, but okay, capitalist Chelsea. (laughs) Why would I be capitalist? It does make sense. Though I think, like, a large part of having depression, too, like, I I talked to my therapist about this Mm -hmm. of, like, you know, sometimes when you do have depression and you're really in the thick of it, that you cannot separate the depression from you as a Mm. person. So your identity becomes inextricably linked with your sadness. So I suppose, like, you know, some people might find that threatening of, like, yes, you take that away, but then what do you have left? But then it's like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so thorny because there are situations like that which are, like, so complicated. And then, like, there are different levels of sadness. Yeah. And I think some sadness and dissatisfaction drives, in a sense progress in that we w- we wouldn't be trying to make the world a better place and making advances in certain areas mm. if we weren't unhappy with how things are. Mm. Obviously, that's very different from deep, deep depression in which you feel trapped and that you can't necessarily change anything. I also wonder if the, the point of view here, like pulling off of what Ashley was saying, is like, is fixing sadness the problematic issue? Is not paying attention to what you're signing up for the problematic issue? Is mega corporations mm-hmm. like i wonder what the point of view of the uh, author of the game is is mm-hmm. like what they're kind of which mm-hmm. part of this is the part that they're considering the most problematic yeah. issue and as the main character i'm forgetting his name you can kind of you, you're kind of ask these questions and you can respond as you like but i haven't i definitely haven't gotten far enough to glean what the creators sort of overarching thought is on it um but I, i'm de- i'm definitely excited to play more because it's been it's been really fun so far except that there are these quizzes after <laughs> excuse me what it's after, not school <laughs> after quizzes. you have conversations with people um there's a character that will ask you a series of questions um about that conversation and they're basically asking you to glean what the person's inner desires are like what the what the subtext of the conversation is and i am so bad at it is it like a multiple choice thing and you pick yeah 
Yeah, it's like, oh, this person, you you have this whole conversation with this person about what the corporation's doing. Uh And then the question might be, okay, but what what do they actually think about it? And it's like, ah, I don't know. But it's okay. There's no bad consequences for getting things very, very wrong. I hope the quizzes, maybe the quizzes are always meant to make you feel bad, like, because it's subjective. Yeah, I did. I looked it up on Steam and there are definitely, you can pass the quizzes. Um, so that it is like a pass-fail mechanic, like you can get things wrong? If you get a certain amount right, I think uh-huh. it's 7 out of 10 right, you get something, but there are no like negative consequences. Well, what do you for... get? It, it's plot-based. It's it's oh. that based on the character who's giving you the quiz. Though I have to ask you. This um, sounds, I, I'm fascinated but also... Yeah, I'm very fascinated by this. But to go back to another mechanic that is wildly appealing to me, please tell me more about the pouring vodka on a track hat. <laughs> is it like you have to tip a bottle into a cup? And can you, like, overflow and, yes. like, ruin it and then ruin the person's mood? Yes. Oh, no! Well, okay, you, you get as many chances as you want. I think, I think actually, it doesn't let you serve the drink if you do it wrong. So there have been so many times I'm like painstakingly like picking up the bottle and tilting it and tilting a little bit and tilting a little and then the circle like soars past its target. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> and then you put ice in to make the circle smaller. Ooh, yeah. I like that you're like, you wanted a drink that's all tequila and absinthe, did you? <laughs> Here it is with one ice cube. One big ice cube. <laughs> I love, I love, I love the bartending like that's such a that appeals to the part of me that wanted to run a cafe in Fallout 76 and the part of me that still really wants to play Little Dragon Cafe even though mm. it's kind of mediocre. No! Ugh. I won't believe it. I know. Until I play it with my eyeballs. I want to Wait, so get it. why do you want to run a cafe? Like what is it about running cafes? It's fun. No, I, yeah. Yes, I know that. But <laughs> I mean, it's fun. I was just trying to figure out what part of the Cafe experience Simone like the best. There's something the f- wonderfully mundane about preparing food and drink for people in video games. Yes. And micromanaging. Have you ever played that game Valhalla? No. That's the, the one oh. in the bar. I heard I I did actually did just made me think with of that for Justin. Some we did yeah. we voice acted a scene from that for funsies. Oh my god. Um anyway, but I didn't actually play the oh, game. Okay. Just one. Should I? Oh, the one that's spelled all weird? Yeah, with, it's, instead of the L, it's like a one. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that name so many times and never knew what that it game was about. It looks really freaking cool. I've only played a little bit as well. But. I like making cocktails in real life as well for very similar reasons. I, so I feel don't. like that's... <laughs> I also spill uh, real life alcohol everywhere. Do, so. do you do the tip? Tip? I'm, no! I'm I always trying to baking. fill up a, jig, a jigger and it's like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> like, oh, and now it just spilled over the edge. Like, Yeah. So. Man, that happens to me, but with flour. Mm. You know when you're, like, making something? I'm yes. like, all right, carefully pour in a half a cup. Careful. A half a cup. A half a package of flour. I'm like, oh, It explodes. Shit. Great. Now yeah, muffins everywhere. for a fucking entire school. Or, or one teaspoon of, like, so, red pepper flakes or something and you're like teaspoon teaspoon god forbid I I, that happens with salt that happened to me with salt oh, no. and every time I have to measure out salt I do it over the sink because never again never again never again was it ruined <laughs> it was very ruined ruined oh. ruined soiled it soiled it <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so that is the Red Strings Club. I'm going to play it more if anything really cool. And I, if I have any more difficult moral questions for you guys, I'll ask. But speaking of difficult moral <laughs> questions, Allegra, you beat Metal Gear Solid 3 last month. Congratulations. Thank you. I forgot to mention it. Is it better than Metal Gear Solid 2? Here's my official review of the Metal Gear Solid trilogy. (gasps) (laughs) I'm sorry. We're just in sync for some reason. Objective rankings. So this is how I feel about the games on an objective level. Removing my biases toward my son, Ryan. Uh, Raiden. (laughs) My son, Ryan. Ryan. Your son, Ryan. It's Ryan in the English version. Very well and not at all sleepy He loves Linux machines. (laughs) (laughs) My son, Ryan. Okay, objectively, Metal Gear Solid 3 is the best. Followed very closely by Metal Gear Solid 2. Followed very closely by Metal Gear Solid. Subjectively, and I, I can explain after. Subjectively, Metal Gear Solid 2, still my fave. Followed closely by Metal Gear Solid 3, I will say, and then Metal Gear Solid. But I, my favorite is still Metal Gear Solid 2 forever, but Metal Gear Solid 3 is a perfect video game. And so basically the way I would describe all three of the games, because I love each of them, I don't think like Metal Gear Solid 3 is better than the other two. I just think it is like the best of three extremely excellent games. Mm -hmm. So Metal Gear Solid has like some of the most fun like level design I've ever experienced where it feels like a very well-ly, like a very intricately designed toy box. Mm -hmm. So you know where you're going, you've been through the box, you know everything that's in the box, but every time you go into that box, you pull out some different combination of things, some different combination of toys, and you will always have a really fun experience with it. And like, maybe you're gonna go back to the same like three action figures you played with yesterday, but you're gonna do something different with them. And that's really Mm -hmm. fun too. So that's basically how I feel about Metal Gear Solid. So level design there is killer. Metal Gear Solid 2, love the freaking story. That one has the best story um, because, I mean, it's pretty absurd, but, like, when people think of how Metal Gear Solid is nutso, like, Mm -hmm. Metal Gear Solid 2 (laughs) is why, I think. Um, But, like, it's the story of Raiden. Raiden, why do I keep calling him Raiden? Probably because I'm trying not to call him Ryan. Ryan. Um, It's the story of of Ryan. (laughs) And it's also the story of Solid Snake. And it's also the story of the Snake Clan. And it's also the story of Colonel Campbell and of Otakon. It's like so many different people get really interesting developments. um, So that it's not in the same way that Metal Gear Solid was. It's not so heavily focused on one person. And even though it is more split up, you still get really satisfying, like, details about all those characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, right in from the beginning, we know almost nothing about him. And then we find out a lot about him as an individual and then him in the context of the overarching Metal Gear clan. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, Otakon rolls in his story is very sad. And Raiden is my son. So anyway, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 has the best boss battles. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important to Metal Gear overall as a saga or, like, as a series is, like, within that intricate toy box thing, Mm -hmm. there are still these very punctuated moments where it's like, okay, you've learned all these things or we need you to try out these things and here's the battleground for you to do that. So Metal Gear Solid 3 is like 
the way that the bosses are threaded together has the most logic. Mm-hmm. Like every single character, like there's a larger story behind it that is slowly eked out and they're all called like the end, the pain, the whatever. Um, wow. And so you're literally going like throughout an entire jungle going beat by beat like okay now i have learned the thing that will help me destroy the pain now i'm learning the thing that will help me beat the end whoa yada 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 and the end is not even the last one. Oh wow spoiler alert it's not symbolism it's not the end (laughs) that is so kojima of course yeah the end is pretty early on dang um and so that is just really awesome that progression also obviously there's the whole costume part which is very fun (laughs) wait the costume part was not two. Black Scientist wasn't two. Black Scientist is Metal Gear Solid 3, which is also part of why it's what? the best game. Wait, but you told us about Black Scientist like months ago. Yeah, it took me a really long time to finish this game. Oh, okay. I thought I thought that was two for some reason. No, I just like spent forever playing oh, this one. Oh, I see. Probably because you wouldn't stop messing around. <laughs> probably because I kept intentionally killing myself because so I kept ridiculous. dressing up. You can't use any weapons as Black Scientist, so it's really hard to just punch everyone to death but I kept trying um, and I not actually, okay in the very last couple scenes um, it shows you in whatever costume you chose in like the key cutscenes mm-hmm. I forgot to dress up as black scientist no. again and I was so <laughs> mad I was like oh I didn't God. realize and then I saw him and I was like god damn it I'm what was it it was like zombie camo or something. I was like, I'm zombie camo. That's not even a thing. Oh, That's how I felt when I accidentally wore Tingle's hood during one of the Breath of the Wild <laughs> cutscenes. <laughs> oh no, was it serious? It was serious. Oh, God. <laughs> oh never yes, again. I love that. No, that's always the best part of cutscenes is you see your <laughs> stupid ass character in the background. You're like, God, you look like a mess. Who yeah. dressed you? <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. But yeah. I screwed up. You screwed um, up, zombie <laughs> camo. Yeah. So, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, just like the boss battles and how that reflects the story and how the gameplay of all of them, really, but Metal Gear Solid 3 especially, like, ties into the story as well. I just think it's, like, a masterpiece. Um, and so I am happy and sad to have come to a conclusion. Aww. But, of mm-hmm. course, there are more Metal Gear games. There's four, which I guess is the real end, but... Wow. I never I, hear about four exactly. ever. I only hear about the first three and then five. Yep. Everyone hates four. What is four? Uh, well, I haven't started it yet. What but, is it called? Oh, Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriot. Guns of Patriot. Wait, the Patriot. I actually, name. I actually don't know if I've ever heard that name. That's weird. All right, well, let's go research Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriot. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show for today. Thank you so much everyone. If you would like to send us an email, send it to polygonshow at polygon.com and I have I have many Spongebob emails here and we're going to save them actually for the show next week because we ran out of time today. Thank you so much everyone who sent your stories. Some of them are very funny and very good. Uh, so again, emails to polygonshow at polygon.com if you have anything to say and of course please review the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. Let us know what games you're playing. That's always fun. Thank you, everyone. This has been The Polygon Show.